Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. And we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas. And we don't play. So now I guess there's only one thing to say, baby. All right, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host and friend, John Wade, the Garden Texan. And, John, it's off-season, but it's the NBA free agency, which is exciting for both of us, I guess, as of today. But um, how's your week been? I mean, it's been good. It's been busy, you know. Uh, we sold our house again, so we'll see if this time it actually sticks. Maybe, oh, Maybe we can nice. stick the landing on this one. Um, that's Funny that's story, we were going to give up and take the house off the market and then that day the uh the house sold. So there you go. Fantastic. Well that's great news. That's great news. Congratulations. What on earth is not your day talking about? Everyone watching the computer mic on and the conference room mic on creating a stupid echo. Wrong screen presenting. What? And what did he say? On Discord. On Discord? So I can't see the Twitch comments, so if anybody comments on Twitch, you got to read it. But Discord, he's just – what is he talking about? Nacho, is it any better? I would love some. Nope, nobody's responding. Oh, I see, I see, I see. see you guys are too funny. Listening to you guys set what? up that Twitch recording, ask a six-year-old, and they can show you how they did it to record themselves playing video games. Uh, uh, that's how I felt when I had to set up a Skype conference call. That, I get it, I get it, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. That's the first part. That makes sense, sense now. I'm sitting here thinking we have a bunch of echo, and I'm like, no, no that's bad. not good. Well, Nacho, welcome to the Twitch stream. Um... So, okay, before we get into the Texans, uh, the breaking news of the day so far is that uh, you guys are going heavy after um, Jimmy Butler. Are you excited about that? I feel like it's the whole Carmelo Anthony situation again. Um, we'll probably miss on him again this year, and this will be the talk for, like, the next three off seasons. You think so? Daryl Morey, yeah, well, Morey gets crushes on these guys and then just chases them. Chases them, chases them, chases them. Hmm. So do you think that Jimmy Butler makes you guys better without Capella and Eric Gordon? We'll get to keep Capella. Everything no. that I've seen says we'll keep Capella. No, you don't have the cap room to keep Capella. Um, there's something I, on Twitter that they made it work out where we can keep Capella. Gordon, it you would be... CP3, maybe. We would move um, Nene, Gordon, and we'd be able to keep... Butler, but I don't think he gets he wouldn't get a max contract. But so why would why would Philly do that? I didn't say why they would do it because they're trying to talk him into doing a sign and trade, so Philly actually gets something in return for 
Otherwise, they don't get anything. Yeah, but I would think that the best scenario would be a three-way trade with involving Clint or CP3, which I think CP3 would be the ideal. Uh, I just don't know if you can find somebody to take on that contract. But uh, Clint, Eric Gordon, a first-round pick or two first-round picks. Jimmy Butler goes to um, Houston. The third team involves a player and to Philly, and then Philly gets – uh, draft picks as well. The, what I've seen, that Clint Capella is a part of the trade from what well, I've seen. I mean, right now it's everybody but. just getting on ESPN trade, whatever, and, and making it up. So, I mean, I've talked about this before. And if, or NBA offseason is too confusing to me. Like, I'd, if I, if we get Butler, I'm excited. If we get Butler and we get to keep kind of our, like our nucleus, I'm excited. Uh, CP3 has maybe half a year left in him, I think, maybe. So okay. it's just kind of how we use that half a year. And I think that it's this drama is just bullshit that people have to – they have to feed into something because it's the off season. Well, it's also Houston. It's easy to hate Houston. It's easy to hate everything that's going on in Houston. Well, it's just, I mean, it's our it's our writers. It, it, it is the media in Houston. It's the same shit they pull in the Texans. Well, no, that dude from Yahoo Sports isn't from Houston. The, uh, the one that started it all. Oh, he was one of them. Greenville or whatever what, his name. Woodfield, Willfield. Whatever. He has an cur- MVP. You, vote, you cursed him out. You should know his name. He's a freaking idiot. He's a fucking idiot. Let's just let's just call it what it is. I'd love to talk to him, and I'm not even a Rockets fan. That guy is a fucking annoying idiot. I mean, he took the Skip Bayless stuff to a whole new level with that story. Oh yeah, he's he's a moron. But for whatever reason, it's just Houston, and everything's always negative. Everything's always yeah. negative. I, I just I don't get it. So how how are you gonna feel if uh, once the Lakers land Kawhi Leonard? Probably cry. I don't know. Like yeah. Do you, think, do you think, like, all of Twitter will just explode at once? I'm just I, – I don't – oh, sorry. I, I don't even know how I'd react, to tell you the truth. Um, because, of course – because, of course, they would. Because, of course, they would. Of course. That's just uh, that's just how it would be. Of course, they would. Kawhi was actually – I could actually go for him for a whole year. Um, as you know, he tormented me as a spur, and I hated it. I hated right. that ass when he was a spur. But, I sure. mean – he went up up north, and the run they put on, and I hate. I cannot believe how much I hate Golden State. I've not had this level of hatred for a um, for a basketball team in a. I, I don't think ever. I, I'm surprised at how much they they just got to me. Um, but no, I. What winning does that? It's not winning. It's how they won. And it was funny because the first couple of years before they brought on Durant. And I think we've talked about this. It's like Kevin Durant. I love how you say Durant like you. Scratch. I don't know. You say that every single like Durant. I don't. Like, are you, like he's a bad guy. Seriously, like <laughs> he is a bad guy. You know, I like no, I liked him when he was in Texas. I liked him sure. just fine when he was in Oklahoma because I don't know. They just it was a didn't really. I don't know. I yeah. just didn't really care for him, but didn't dislike him. But I liked him at Texas. Sure. And I liked Golden State when they were going up against LeBron originally. And it's just funny how it kind of flipped where I was going for LeBron to beat Golden State and then Kevin Durant went over there and it was just, you know, fuck them. Fuck them all. 
and um, Harden, be like that Harden is quickly on his way to being the best player to never win a championship, and I hope to God that doesn't happen. I just hope to God. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler is a problem for you guys. I don't think he fits your offense. I mean, he's not a he's not a spot up shooter. He's not going to stand in the corner and wait for 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 the the three point ball. I don't see the offense evolving to fit what he does. He likes to have the ball in his hands, and he's also always been an issue in the locker room. So, if any of what is being said is true, I think you add that to what is potentially going on, and I just don't know if that's the ideal situation. I would rather you guys trade like Clint Capella and like I don't know, grab some more role players, and then maybe like sign Boogie Cousins because he can spot up, he can shoot, he can play defense. He'd, he'd fit what you guys do a little bit better. All right, enough basketball. Uh, even though Kawhi's coming to the Lakers and we're going to be the team that we're always meant to be. Um, John, anything new that you're hearing on the Texans GM front? It's quiet over there. I don't think there is going to be anything new. Yeah, I don't think so either. Which is what I kind of don't get is how many riders are tearing the Texans apart for going in GM lists. They have a GM. His name is Bill O'Brien. He's running the show. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they don't really need a GM right now anyways. Uh, outside of scouts, which are already in place, I could do the scouting for when college football starts and stuff like that. I mean, besides injuries, there's really – there's not much that a GM's going to do right now other than go trade for Trent Williams and go trade for – Patrick Peterson, which are the two names that are constantly being thrown out. One I'm okay with. The other one just had uh, like a knee scope and posted it on Instagram. So I, I don't know how I feel about trading for Trent Williams right now. But um, it just seems that right now I don't really see a point of hiring a GM. I, th- I think they are doing what needs to be done. I think they're just chilling, waiting until their guy's available. If the Patriots start to weaken their stance a little bit and say, hey, we'll take a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick for them, then, uh, you know, maybe something happens. But outside of that, I don't expect any of this until the end of the football season. Yeah, I just go back to to what we said last week. Bill O'Brien is our GM. Bill O'Brien is our coach. He may be our offensive coordinator as well at this point. And he's going to – He's either going to sink or swim with it. I think that at this point they've targeted the guy that he really wants, which is Casario. That was their number one choice last time we went through this. Um, they weren't happy with settling, and I don't think that they're going to settle. And we're going to wait and see how it goes this year. We just crash and burn. Bill O'Brien will be out. New GM, new coach, and they'll get to build their own thing. Otherwise, we'll either... End of the year, Bill O'Brien just if the hopefully the Texans have a great year because that's what I actually read for. We go to the AFC Conference Championship, and you know we're all happy, we're excited. Casario either comes on or Bill O'Brien turns into the next Belichick, and he's just going to keep control of everything. So I think those are kind of the three options that are going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I just don't see a reason for him to pull the trigger right now, anyways. Um, so it's really not going to be much of a change. Um, all right, the other part that I wanted to get to, even though we are we discussed uh, discussed it in detail, and I, I'm just wondering why it's not being talked about at all. But with all of this is being lost in the sauces, just the JD Clowney situation just continues to not 
even be brought up. Local writers aren't talking about it. National writers aren't talking about it. Um, the deadline is literally like 19 days away now or 20 days away now, uh, July 15th. And yet there's like literally been no news out of NRG about Jadavian. He's going to play this year under the tag. I think that just is what it is. He's going to play this year under the tag, which is shocking to me because I'm sure they want to get it resolved, but I just – he's going to play this year under the tag, and we're all going to be heartbroken. And hopefully you follow us on Twitter because there's one of the great – there's a great thread that you can just watch on why Clowney is so important. But, yeah. Yeah. You could I, – I, uh... I'm going to be doing some film analysis on uh, the Colts-Texans playoff game, and I had to watch it again for the first time today. And, God, that was so, just so hard to watch. It, it was just painful. But the one thing that I kept seeing was just Connie being in the right spot throughout every defensive stand. And I just sit here keep thinking how – are we going to just let this guy walk away? And then I'm starting to think, like, why would Bus Cook and Jay Davey and Clowney want to even play under the franchise tag? Just given some of the stuff that he did go through early on in his career, why would they Why would they risk it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I really have no, no clue why. Um, I guess they are very confident they'll get considerable – there's a better market for them in free agency. Part of it may be they do fear that this is going to be his only chance to get a paycheck. So take advantage of it while they can. But yeah, you it. nailed it on the head. If, he's gonna, if he ends up leaving, we're all going to be bitching in two years. Like, look at how great we could have been if we could have just kept him wrong. This is the, the story of Houston. We get these players and we always let them leave. Yeah, I don't know. I got I got animals going crazy around me right now for some reason. Um all right, let's get to the wide receiver position group breakdown. John, what is your oh, – before we get into the individuals, what is your opinion on the position group itself? Well, our top three, maybe the top three, and they're up there for being the top, top three in the league. After that, there's a bit of a drop, and – there's potential with the, the guys, the fourth receiver and the fifth receiver, and fifth receiver and sixth receiver may be up in the air if we even go six receivers. But the first three, if they're healthy, we will have one of the better receiving cores, probably the best receiving core that the Texans have ever had, and we'll have one of the better in, in the league this year. Yeah, I think – honestly, I think that you could take if, – if Kiki is healthy – and Fuller is healthy with Hop always healthy. I, I really don't know of another starting three wide receivers that you could com- literally have a legitimate argument with saying that there's a better wide receiver group than what the Texans have on the field. Kiki is the perfect slot wide receiver. Will Fuller is the perfect stretch guy, also a route technician. And then Nuck is just good at everything. I, I can't think of a team. I mean, Cleveland, but then I'm thinking, okay, well, after Jarvis, there's really not another guy that makes you think, okay, yeah, there's a third. 
Um, um, what's his face uh, from Florida? Yeah, yeah, the fast guy. Um, what's his name? But even even still, I I would still take Kiki. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I I really don't think that there's a better wide receiver group than what the Texans have on the field. But the key to that is, can they all stay healthy? DeAndre was so banged up at the end of the season last year, um, saying he was the in the most. He was the most hurt he's ever been. Kiki, obviously hamstring, so you always worry about those soft tissue injuries. And then Fuller has just had bad luck for two years straight. So can you count on all three of those guys being there? History would tell you no, you're not going to be able to do that. And the chances of us doing that for a 16-game schedule in 2019 is just going to be very slim. Um. So let's get into it. So uh, I guess we'll start at the top because we all know that DeAndre Hopkins, if you're listening to this podcast and you're watching on this stream, you know that DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. No matter what David Carr says, no matter what Josh McCown says, no matter what whoever is doing a top five list this week says. I cannot believe uh, how many I'm, – I'm there's just no words. How can you have a top five list and not have Hopkins at least in the top three? At very least. Or, or how about at least in the top five? Like David Carr didn't even well, have I know, top five. but I can't imagine. I, I, I can't <laughs> think of four receivers I'd rather have than him right now. I can't think of three. And I'm not. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> I, it, just, like, it just boggles my mind. And I'm not kidding when I say a top five list, DeAndre Hopkins should still be in the top three, and the fact that he's not, how how hard did they hit him? I know he was sacked a bunch, but dude. Yeah, it was more of not how hard, but how many times. Um, I mean, even with, okay, let's just, so with the top three debate, the top three should pretty much always stay the same. In no particular order, it's Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., and DeAndre Hopkins. Fair? Yeah, Fair. That's the top. That's that's pretty much. If we were to do a Twitter poll, that would probably be that would round out the top three. I think. There, some people may uh, argue Antonio Brown should be. Oh, Antonio Brown, actually, yeah. So it'd probably be Antonio Brown over Julio. That's what it, where my hesitation was. Um, yeah, I, don't, I totally forgot about. Granted, it. I don't. I'm, I'm, now, I'm so. interested to see Antonio Brown with Derek Carr. I don't know if he could have had a better situation than what exactly. he had in Pittsburgh. I mean. Yeah. Uh, and John Gruden, I, I, I honestly am, I, I don't consider Antonio Brown in the current situation he's in as a top three wide receiver, but that can change. Um, so let's go with that. Let's go Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., DeAndre Hopkins. And then just, uh, just Odell. straight up, how could you take any of those players over Hop? And you have to take everything, you have to take everything you into can. context. Take injury history, uh, sure, take so drama, take... Okay, so let's just go one by one. So injury history. Okay, well, Odell Beckham Jr. is out. Yep. Antonio Brown's been relatively healthy his entire career, so that leaves Antonio Brown and DeAndre. So now let's go drama. (laughs) Antonio Brown is out. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if there's any other criteria. Now let's go on the field capabilities. On the field, you know, two years ago, you and I had a conversation that 
maybe you were on the Antonio Brown side. This is when Antonio Brown was just lighting it up. And DeAndre was DeAndre, but he didn't have a quarterback and everything else. He said he'd take Antonio at that time. But now, obviously, consistent quarterback play. We see what DeAndre means to this offense, what he's capable of doing. On the field, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is the overall better And we even argued this at the beginning of the season. Um, I said pick one receiver um, 15 yards out that you need a touchdown. Who do you want to throw it to? That, I remember that argument quite clearly. And I was entirely behind Hopkins because we also kept talking about how was our red zone offense so bad when if you only had one receiver to throw a touchdown to, that's the, that's the player you'd keep want. Keep talking, John. Hold on. And I hate when you say keep talking because then I have no idea what to say. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. No, I've made my point. We had an argument um, and then that argument went into a discussion about why was our red zone offense so bad when all you have to do – you there's one receiver in all of football. You're 15 yards out. You have to score a touchdown on the next play. Without a doubt, it's DeAndre Hopkins, right? Without a doubt. At one point you said that there was an argument for Julio Jones, but I think this past season – Just because he's so yeah. big. But I think this past, season, That's really, this past season changed that. Yeah, I, I just think – when you look at just stature alone, it's really hard to ignore what Julio Jones is as a physical specimen at the wide receiver position. Now, what Atlanta chooses to do with him, that's all we have to go off of. So they use him like Gary Kubiak used Andre. They just don't want to throw him the ball in the red zone for some reason. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's Hopkins. And it's Hopkins on – I mean, his the, the catch radius, the – ability to catch anything. Uh, I mean, those are things that, to me, are just invaluable. And those other two can't do it. No. And even last year you showed, like right now, it's like trend, it's trending on Twitter, like his screen pass, or the screen pass to him going 78 yards for a touchdown. Like, And who can forget the Cowboy game? <laughs> and who can forget the Cowboy game with, with the, you know, taking him through the dryer? Like, there's just... He's just such a great wide receiver, um, and I, I just don't think it can be debated. David Carr was never a good quarterback. Josh McCown, his entire career, was a backup quarterback. I truly don't trust their opinion on wide receivers. If you really honestly have Julian Edelman ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, then I I, then I honestly think that if you're getting paid to talk football and you have that, you should no longer be paid to talk football. There's, yeah. That is, and you – and we know why you were a backup quarterback your entire career. Because you are brain damaged. Because you're done. You're, you're an idiot. Um, all right, so DeAndre Hopkins, unanimous number one. There's really nothing going into camp that anybody's going to take that spot. So let's go to number two, Will Fuller, known for his speed. You and I know him as the speed guy, but also the route technician that he is, able to run all routes, very crisp. Uh, had... Uh, drop issues his first season, came back and fixed those the second season, uh, and then just has been uh, dealing with injuries, which he has since he's been drafted. But I mean, bar none with Will Fuller, there's not another receiver that runs as fast as him that runs routes as technically sound as he does. No, there's not. It's just unfair. His biggest thing is staying healthy, especially since he's fixed the drops. 
Yeah. And actually, the drop issue never really – I mean, it materialized a little bit of his rookie year, but that was his rookie year of Brock Osweiler thrown to him. Brock Osweiler also made DeAndre Hopkins only a top 20 receiver instead of a top 10 receiver. So I made Ryan Griffin a top 10 tight end. So. No kidding. <laughs> so we have to keep all this in – kind of keep all that in perspective. But Will Fuller has easily been the best receiver out of that draft. You could you could argue that on other there's many other teams that he would be the number one receiver, but you know he's behind Hop, so he's not the number one here. Then it's just with him, it's just staying healthy, and his injuries are pretty much freak injuries, like a broken shoulder, broken shoulder, um, torn ACL, because the guy. I don't know if it could be more blatant to fall and roll on a guy like the way that was the uh, the way the cornerback did on, in the Dolphins game on Fuller. Like, yep. I mean, it's just with him, his injuries have been horrible luck. Yeah. I mean, there's given his injury history, the fact that there was no hesitation on picking up his option for next year should speak very loudly what he means to this offense. He doesn't necessarily make the offensive t- offense tick, but he definitely opens every single up, every single thing up in the passing game. You take Will Fuller out, and then it's just target DeAndre Hopkins a million times to Kiki underneath. But outside of that, like Will Fuller literally stretches the field and then also gives you those curl routes, those out routes that he is just so good at. Um, I mean, he's the, be- he's the best wide receiver number two you could possibly have. But he's got to stay healthy. That's really all it comes down to. All right. Kiki QT. Um, John, I've been, I, I forgot to tell you, I started, uh, I started getting into collecting cards. Cards? Like, yeah, like, like football cards. Okay. So I only, I only collect Texans and Laker cards. Okay. But, uh, there's a, there's a, he's a great follow on Twitter. If you guys follow... And let me find him on Twitter. I think it's DMB Takeover. And he just, like, posts cards he has. And he'll post, like, 20 cards. And he has, like, all these cards. It's really crazy. Um, and he just, you can, like, basically, it's called, D, it's at DMN Takeover. And he'll just post cards he has. And it'll be, like, one picture of 20. And then the next one will be the next picture of 20. Um, and he sells some for a dollar, sells some for 75 cents. And, it's really cool. So it just it got me into it. So shout out to DM DMN uh, Takeover. It's, it's a really fun follow. You guys should follow if you guys are into that stuff. Um, and so yeah, so I started getting that, and I got into that because he had a Kiki QT rookie card I really wanted, and so I started that. Now I have like a bunch of Deshaun Watson rookie cards and Laker cards. Anyways, I have this really cool idea that I want to. God, I probably shouldn't put this out there, but I want to do like. Well, don't I know you would be into this? Imagine if you had a frame. And in that frame, you had every single player of that year in the frame that made the roster. So 53 cards, all the same art for the 2019 Texans roster in a frame that said, like, Houston Texans on the top or bottom. Wouldn't that be dope if you had that for each season? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Right? Anyways, so that's my goal for me is to eventually have that. But, anyways, back to Kiki QT. Um, He showed last year in – uh, very uh, small sample window. Uh, specifically, he showed us against the um, 
against the Colts a couple times that he is extremely good and he's extremely he, he's what the offense has been missing in, during the Bill O'Brien era. A capable backup or a capable slot wide receiver that can do everything we need to continue to make this offense move. And he catches everything that comes his way. He can take a hit. He's great on the underneath routes. He's great in the run game. Um, he's, he's what we need. Yeah, we've talked about it at length. The healthy Kiki is the outlet. He is our running back. The short passes, the high percentage throws. Um, Deshaun Watson has said himself that his new philosophy is death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, he wants to be more efficient, and he wants to just, you know, you kind of go watch what Tom Brady does. That's what Deshaun is trying to, to get himself to, and in order to do that, he does need that reliable that reliable receiver. I mean, we may – if Kiki can stay healthy, that's another advantage. I guess, an, I don't know, not advantage, but it's there to offset what we lack in our running game – What a running back that can actually catch the football. Yeah, and it gives Bill O'Brien a third option that he has lacked since he's been here. Um, but with Kiki, it's all about injury as well. Can he stay healthy? Can that is that hamstring issue going to be a continuous issue, um, or was it just a rookie rookie season thing? And hopefully, he's better moving forward. Because Kiki could be like a 90-catch guy. Oh, no doubt. He could – hopefully it's like a 100-catch guy. I mean uh, – If he has 100 catches and DeAndre also has like 1,500 yards and 100 catches and we'll that means that our That means our worst fears came through. Um, all the cornerbacks busted and Lamar Miller, the wheels fell off. But you know it's all right if, if both Hop and Kiki have 100, 100 catches, then we'll, we'll be just fine. Yeah, no, we will be. And then All right, let's every go. other catch for Will Fuller continues to be a touchdown. We'll be more than okay. I'll take a couple 90-yard bomb touchdowns. You know? Sure. Why not? Why not? You know, that Colts game would have been completely different if we had Will Fuller. Yeah, the, oh, there was no two, doubt. two massive drops, um, deep bombs that would have been touchdowns if it was Will Fuller. Um, but it wasn't. So let's get to our fourth wide receiver. I'm going based on where I think the depth chart is going to be. So our fourth wide receiver in DeAndre Carter uh, picked up midseason last week, came from Philadelphia, was on the Philadelphia practice squad. Week one that he signed with the Texans was our punt and kickoff returner. Looked to be a difference maker in the in special teams. Uh, played some fill-in uh, slot wide receiver duties when Kiki was out. Did a good job. Wasn't Kiki, but definitely could fill the role considering how quick he got. Um, up to speed with the offense. So this year he could be even better than what he was last year. And he gives us a viable backup to Kiki Kuti, who he's also a guy that could potentially stretch the field and could be a forgotten about gadget type player. Your thoughts on DeAndre Carter? He's, I mean, he flashed at times as a returner. He looks. If I was to bet money right now, he would be our, our specialist and and Kiki's backup. 
Now, he's not the same sort of player as Kiki, other than the fact they're both slot receivers. Um, Carter is more slippery, but doesn't quite have the same top-end speed. And I don't think he quite has the strength, even though they're, I mean, they're supposed to be similar size. Let's see, Carter is 5'8", 190, so he's a little guy. And Kiki is 5'11", 180. So that's actually surprising because if you watch him play, Kiki plays stronger than you would think for at 180. I wonder if this is this is directly from the uh, the roster on the Texans website. I, th- I wonder if that's correct. So I have uh, I have DeAndre Carter at 190 and Kiki QT at 180. Yeah, that's what it that's what the roster says. I just don't believe that. I mean, just watch their clips, um, how they hit off tackles. Huh. I don't know. I don't know, but. Again, same sort of role. Maybe you can slide into Kiki's uh, DMs and ask him to send you like a picture of him in just underwear. Standing on a scale. He's <laughs> got to be on a scale. Like I, I just want to see what he actually weighs. But, shit. Yeah, well, I, I still stand by my, my statement. Kiki plays stronger. Um, he's better at catching the ball. He's a better route runner. He's the better route runner. He can also run deep routes. Carter more of a simplified route tree, runs underneath. Um, He has issues with his hands, but when he does have the ball, he's extremely slippery. Agreed. Uh, All right. Let's get on to our fifth wide receiver, at least projected in my mind as the fifth wide receiver, Vincent Smith, 6'3", 202. Had some catches last year, uh, undrafted guy. Uh, because of injuries to the wide receiving core, uh, had to play in some spots. Uh, wasn't awful for an undrafted guy. Definitely has shown that he has potential. He has wheels. Um, and from what I'm hearing, he's developing in OTAs and potentially could continue to develop in uh, training camp and things like that. A lot of people compare him to Will Fuller. That's disrespectful to Will Fuller. Um, he's not Will Fuller. He's just a, a very fast wide receiver. Um, but I like Vincent Smith. I, I expect him to be better this year. I also expect him to make the roster. I know that there's a lot of guys and a lot of people are about Tyron Johnson right now and Floyd Allen. Um, we'll get into those, but I think Vincent Smith last year showed flash enough of a flash to be able to see a second year on this team to see how he develops. Yeah, Vincent Smith's making the team. I yeah, He's making the team. He's there is no doubt in my mind that he's making the team. He was actually – I went back and did a little bit more research on him because at some point last year, because his name just always bugged me when he was over at Limestone, he was a four-star recruit. He almost transferred to the University of South Carolina. There, part of the reason that he ended up at Limestone was grades and admissions, and that ended up just being a whole mess. So Vincent Smith is one of those players that – Usually, like we always give the Patriots credit for, they find those high-star guys that went under the radar um, for whatever reason. That's him. And then you looked at everything from OTAs. It's a passing camp. 
and the receiver that was most dominant during the passing camp was Vincent Smith. The other guys, even when they were saying we're having a great camp, they were still comparing them to Vincent Smith. So unless he gets hurt, he's making the team. They essentially wasted an entire roster spot last year just to protect him because last year he was not ready. But this year he should be able to be a little bit more of a contributor, and I say by next year he would be a solid rotational wide receiver. I agree. Um, and when you're an undrafted wide receiver, that's you made it. I mean, that's great. If you can have two years on the team and, and end up being the fifth wide receiver, that's awesome. All right, let's get to the undrafted guys that are in camp right now. Um, not a ton of info. Uh, Floyd Allen, 5'10", 199. Johnny Dixon, 5'11", 198. Uh, Tyron Johnson, 6'1", 193. He's uh, this year's Lestar Gene. Uh, Stephen Lewis, 6'2", 215. Stephen Mitchell, 5'10", 186. And then the returning guys from the practice squad last year, Jester Way, 6'3", 209, and Isaac Whitney, 6'2", 204. Uh, I don't know a ton about these guys. I know that Isaac Whitney is just another version of Vincent Smith, very fast guy. Uh, Jester Way is more of a Sammy Coates-type wide receiver. Outside of that, I don't know a ton about Johnny Dixon, Tyron Johnson, or Stephen Lewis. And to be honest with you, I don't expect any of them to make the team. So the guy that Pat Starr loved, Tyron Johnson, Johnson, because he's both a speed and size freak, Johnny Dixon played at OSU, um, Ohio State, and he looked pretty good out there, but he went undrafted. So to go to OSU and, you know, not get drafted is usually a red flag. It's because he is a little bit undersized. I think that DeAndre Carter is probably the receiver most likely on the bubble, in my opinion, just because of his hands issues, if he can't hold onto the ball. So it wouldn't surprise me if, say, Johnny Dixon, who is very, very similar to Carter, could actually push for that spot. I would assume that Carter's better just because he's got a couple more years' experience. And, he, I mean, he has shown something. He's shown something. He, so he should be able to to hold him off. I honestly think, because I'm still leaning towards us going towards four tight ends, that we're only going to go with five receivers. And I'm in the same boat. I, believe, I think Aikens will play a wide receiver tight end role. Yeah, and I think that Wea, Dixon, and Tyron Johnson, all three of them, will potentially make the practice squad. Yep. However, Floyd Allen, great, great story. Like Amazing story. Just an unbelievable story. And for the thing that we got to remember about these stories is nobody on the Texans cares about the story. Right. I mean, they honestly don't. They care very much on whether or not he can contribute to the team and – and help them win some games. And the fact it's that he has, yeah, and the fact that he has a story like that, and he's on the roster though, is something to look out for because there, there's something there, and nobody, but nobody's seen it. So I will watch him because for him to go through everything he did and to end up even with a chance in camp, th- there may be something there, and he may be somebody that's worth watching because to essentially wash out where he was and to be homeless to now on an NFL roster, he there's got to be some talent there that's flashed. Sure. Yeah, and I think one thing that people need to realize when it comes to these stories is there's probably about 16 of these stories out of the 32 teams in the NFL that are happening throughout training camp and OTAs. Uh, DeAndre Carter's story is quite 
awesome as well. He was a substitute teacher. Didn't think that he had a chance in the NFL. Um, so, I mean, the stories of these undrafted guys is awesome. And, and you pull for them and you want them to do well. Uh, obviously, like with having Javier Edwards on, you know, we want to see him make the team. He may have a chance just because of the position he plays. But, um, yeah, I mean, you pull for everybody to make the team. But at the end of the day, it's what 53-man roster is the best for this team to put on the field. And, unfortunately, with this position group having such a stronghold at the 1, 2, and 3 already, at really a 1, 2, 3, and 4, I would say that there's a chance 5 could change. But I'd say that that's highly unlikely just given what Vincent Smith did last year and what he is doing in camp now. And then also the fact that we're, we have four wide or four tight ends that three are going to make the team. You know, two of them being rookies, one of them being a third round pick this year in Kahali, and then Darren Fells needed for blocking um, after watching the Colts game and watching Jordan Akins and Jordan Thomas block. Um, it, it's Darren Fells is making this team because it's a need. And so we're going to keep the other three, and Jordan Akins has um, played wide receiver in college. So there's a good chance that that's just kind of how it works out, and it's unfortunate. All right, that's our wide receiver position group breakdown. John, anything else in Texans land that you want to get into tonight? Is there anything else going on? No. Did I miss something? No. Now, you, now I feel like I missed something. No, you didn't miss anything. There's nothing else. I just wanted to make sure I wanted to leave, have an open forum. There's something that you didn't uh, have time to add to the outline. I wanted to make sure that you uh, had a had an open forum to talk about what it is that you wanted to talk about potentially. Um, I don't. Now you're just going to disappoint the podcast. I know, right? Thinking that you're going to have another listen or another topic to talk about, and we don't have one. I think we might be done. Okay, well, then we are done. Well, actually, you know what? Uh Uh-oh. We really didn't talk about this from Cal McNair's perspective, like the whole mess with the, you know, the mess. I don't think – go ahead, yeah. Yeah, the GM mess. Yeah. From Cal McNair's perspective, what are you thinking on Cal McNair's perspective? Well, I asked you first, dude. What are you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) On the spot. I love it. Um, I think with Cal, really right now, what it is is I think stability and having an understanding on where this franchise is going to go. I don't think that I, – I can tell you that the difference right now between him and Robert is – or Bob McNair, you know, rest in peace. But um, I think he has a clear vision on where he wants this team to be. And instead of making a uh, gut – reaction to hiring a GM. I think he has an idea on who he wants to be as GM, and he's hoping that the season plays out in a way where we keep Bill O'Brien and are able to add Nick Stereo to um, the front office. And I think that Cal is just going to be patient and see. I think he realizes that there's people in place that can do the jobs. The GM job is uh, by committee right now, and there's no reason for him to make a hasty decision on who's going to take that spot because he's already paying two GMs um, and he knows he has to pay a third. And I think he just wants to make sure that this is the right decision because he does not want, he'd rather be the Ravens and have Ozzie Newsome for 16 years than in four years go through this again. And I think he's zeroed in on who that target is and Nick Casario and he wants to wait it out. Well, I was going to, 
try and kind of push you a little bit on Bob McNair, his ideal franchise was the Steelers. He believed that if you had stability plus above average, but not necessarily excellent coaching, but you had stability with above average coaching and an above average front office, eventually wins would come. That if you mix things up every year, that you're not really going to get the results that you want. That was more or less his blueprint and who he was trying to emulate. I think Cal, at least starting off, he's showing that he's going to be a little bit more aggressive. I think that I don't know. I'm kind of it's already interesting to see that he would dump Brian Gain so quickly and then yet he's going to be patient enough to wait out the entire season, which to me just further reinforces what I believe our our beliefs on. It's Bill O'Brien's show this year, and he if he loses, then they're all gone, and it's going to be a clean start, and then it'll all be Cal's start. And I think that's why he's going to have some patience this year. However, it'll be interesting to see going forward if he'll still have that patience. So it's a, yeah, I think that's it's a pretty it's, it's a pretty bold move. However, of course, because you know we are the Texans, how do we stir up drama like this and then have the most boring drama ever? Because we're the Texans, you know, it's typical Texan fashion. Hey, we're gonna do something. We're gonna get everybody talking, and then nothing else is gonna happen. It turns out we already had the GM. And yeah, I hate to break it to y'all. We do have a GM right now, and he's not making any trades. We're not going to get Trent Williams. We're not getting Pat Pete. Clowney's not going anywhere. We are pretty much what we are for right now. This roster is is what you're going to get. So um, what do you buy? Do you buy the whole Bill O'Brien was just looking for power uh, (laughs) um, narrative? I don't necessarily – sometimes people confuse power and control. I think he was looking for control. Okay. But do you think that he's, like, ultimately doing this so he can be the GM? Yeah, he can be the Belichick of the, of the Texans? What he – I don't think – I think that he's being honest when he says that he doesn't want to be GM. He wants to be the coach. But I do think that he wants that level of authority that Belichick has where – he has final say. He has that level of control. And granted, I do think that there is something to um, what Bob McNair used to always say. If three people in the room all agree, then two people need to get fired. I think that Bill O'Brien actually kind of learned that a little bit of Brian Gain because Brian Gain was apparently so much, almost too much of a yes man where the rumor is Bill O'Brien felt like he was already doing everything. So if he's already doing everything, he might as well do everything. And if he, I can honestly, I honestly feel that if Bill O'Brien was after power, they wouldn't go after Casario. I think that Casario will push back enough. But he'll do it in a way that Bill O'Brien still 
has control because they have the same mindset. They look for the same sort of players, and there's more. Um, <laughs> more alignment than even Brian Gain. <laughs> I hate I hate saying that, but I think with Brian Gain, yeah, there was alignment there, but <laughs> the alignment was the type that Brian Gain was redundant, like he just wasn't needed. Whereas Casario, I think the reason that he wants them, he has this belief that Casario will have that alignment, but he'll show outside perspective, or not outside perspective, but he'll show it from more from more angles, like things that O'Brien would normally miss. And obviously, Casario must be pretty smart. I mean, I'm still blown away by the fact that he's on a coaching headset during games. So, for Josh McDaniels to actually allow Casario onto the headset and to have his input into play calling during the games, like that says something because we all know McDaniels is kind of in love with himself. So, Casario must really be something else. There must be something to him. Yeah, and I have no insight on that. I I don't know anything about the guy other than what we can all read online. Like with Easterby knowing, I mean, granted, it, what I know about Easterby can kind of figure out online, anyways. But with Casario, I mean, there's got to be something to him. He's been with the Patriots for 20 years, and they are fighting like hell to not let him leave. Which pretty much tells you everything you need. And they. Yeah, like, he even gets out there and he coaches wide receivers. That's yeah. crazy. It's insane. I'll take a GM that does that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, with that being said, we are uh, ending our Twitch stream. Thank you for all the supporters and the viewers. We appreciate it. Uh, for our podcast listeners, you can find us at on all t- uh, podcast platforms. Just search Texans Unfiltered. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. Uh, make sure you join our Discord. Make sure you go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Um, and I think that is every plug possible. With that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to tie, it's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how thrill we are, baby. So you better get out the way, cause we coming for it. It's all for one, and it's one for all. Let's go.